Welcome back, everyone. We are so glad that you're listening in today. This is part two of chapter five. There was just so much content that we couldn't fit it into one episode, but we are so glad you're here. Um, If you are just tuning in, this episode will spoil chapter five, Trigger Happy Havoc. Thank you for tuning in again, and we are so excited to keep on going. I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. And I'm Caroline. And we're the Ultra Hope Girls. One, two. Welcome to the Dong and Rumpa podcast. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. All right, we're back. Hey guys, how are we hey. doing? Just we're great. excited to jump into the second half. Yeah, yeah, let's just jump jump right back in. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we've got a body in the garden, folks. A Woo! body in the garden. And this, interestingly enough, is this time around, not only do we have to find the culprit, but we also have to figure out who the victim even is. Like, this is the first time where we don't know who it is. Right, difficult to solve murder, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't even know who it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, my first note on here is ultimate firefighter Makoto Nayagi. <laughs> oh my um, god! <laughs> Yeah. And this doesn't Biakia like fills the bucket and says, here, slave, throw the water upon the body. And I'm like, just stands and yes. watches while Makoto puts out the fire. Your beauty is beyond compare with golden locks and skin so fair. Yeah, he like doesn't faint from the explosion, and Makoto's like, I felt my world go black and I almost fainted. And then he hits hand a blank bottle thing of (laughs) water. He's like, Please put out the fire. (laughs) (laughs) And then meanwhile, Toka was literally like flying through the air and like doesn't show up for like two minutes, and nobody like asks if she's okay her facial reaction when she first shows up like her sprite is so funny i wish i had a picture of that (laughs) caroline is doing an incredible impersonation right now (laughs) oh my god um we get body burn which destroys even more evidence this is true I knew it wasn't Kyoko, though. I'm not dumb. Like, I saw that tattoo. You know what I mean? I was and like... the fingernails. The fingernails. I was like, Kyoko mm-hmm. is not a, you know, fake nail-wearing person. Yeah. She would never stoop to that level. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> She wouldn't no, I do think that. Makoto actually says in the trial, he's like, why would someone put on fake nails to just put gloves on over top? Yeah, Which exactly. is, like, so smart. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I love how in the trial, the first thing you have to do is prove that Kyoko is still alive and wasn't the victim while she is standing in the trial room with Literally, Hero, I, God, I cannot believe that. And Byakuya, like, the whole time is like, I can't believe this is a conversation we're having right now. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) And in that moment, I swear, we were Byakuya. We were. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) My hero. And, you know, y'all, we get that key. We do. And then we find out we're on TV. I just made that up just now. You're welcome. I loved it. I think that the anime actually does a better job of explaining the data processing room than the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason being, um, 
when they're in the data room, you know, they'd get the TV working. Actually, sorry, not they. Hero, our handyman of the day, yes. knows how to fix yes. TVs. All right. <laughs> so he just pulls out another new skill. All right. He fixes the TV and then they see themselves on the screen. Right. And they're like, what's going on? Well, in the anime, there's little subtitles and captions on the TV that say things like, Monokuma finally reveals the truth. The group is surprised by the astonishing truth. Up next. And it's like, I really wish the game had done that. Because when I played through the game, I was like, there's no proof like that this is really being broadcast. It to me just looks like a feed from the camera to the TV. I was like, why are they so willing to believe that what they're going through is being televised? Whereas yeah. in the anime, it was so much like a TV show. Every single time Monokuma said something, the screen changed to a new caption. And I was like, this is so perfect. Like, oh, I wish they had, I wish that had carried. Yeah, yeah. huh. That does seem a little like a more of an impact to me than what we get in the game. Monokuma is back, um, and we have a little bit of a debate going within the three of us of how you deal with a bear when you see it in the wild. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, If you follow our private Facebook group, which you can join, um, there is a a poll or a question going around about like you know what what would you do if you saw a bear in the wild and i'm here to tell you exactly what to do all right oh, <laughs> educate Marin. us Marin. <laughs> i'm ready all right um talk calmly stand your ground slowly wave your arms make yourself look as large as possible don't run bears can run as fast as a racehorse both uphill and down <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, Caroline is just miming the correct actions and it's perfect. Um, if you're attacked by a bear, you play dead. Unless it's a black bear, then you should aim for their face with your hands as you attack the bear. All right. Which seems a little risky. Attack the bear. Attack the bear. <laughs> this is after you've been attacked. <laughs> um, yeah, that was from the nationalparkservice.gov, so we know we can trust it. Yeah, Maddie's looking shocked right now. <laughs> I just, I was gonna say, like, oh, I don't know if our listeners should be taking wilderness survival advice from the Ultra Hope Girls, but, like, you know, National Park Service, reputable source. Um, I'm just imagining, like, all the, the students, like, doing those things when they see Monokuma <laughs> appear. Like, all right, make yourself big, make yourself big. Talk calmly. Walk away slowly, and Monica was just like, I am Makoto Nayegi. <laughs> now I'm going to walk slowly away. <laughs> oh, God. I have some other things about um, Monokuma in this moment. Um, when we learn about, like, the TV show, not only did it, it kind of reminded me of the show Big Brother, if any of you guys have watched that. It's like a... Um, a reality show where all these people are living in a house where there are cameras and they all have to wear like wiretaps and there are cameras in every single room. And it's like literally like however long they have to spend in there with absolutely no privacy. It's kind of an interesting show, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but he, Monokuma says, this is the ultimate reality show, the best in despair entertainment. And I feel like it's kind of a commentary in a way on the, the state of modern entertainment. Cause it's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like the kind of thing where whenever we see like a car crash and we can't look away, whenever we see horrible things like happening on the news, there, there's a part of us, I think, that kind of gets a kick out of it. 
and is like, because right. we can't stop watching. We're like so interested, you know, like good news is boring, right? And so the bad news is what hooks people in. And it's like, the game is almost, I think, poking fun at us, the players, because we are also the ones being entertained by this killing game by playing the video game. And so it's kind of like a, it is very, very meta, like you've said, Caroline. Yeah. I actually have one more thing um, about the room. I missed my note. Um, So he says in that room, he says, um, like, everything had a purpose. Like, every time you found something, it was because I allowed you to. Like, there was no oversight. I wanted you to have that laptop. I wanted you to have a room where you thought that you were being secretive. You know, I wanted you to find the data room key. And so I think that that of everything we've seen so far would be the most despair inducing thing to me. Like that would take away every hopeful event we've had because it was all planned. You know, if the, if the person you're trying to like fight and beat knows every time you're getting a step closer to them, then you're not taking any steps at all. You know, I completely Um, agree. I completely agree. Ooh, that was a toughie to hear. I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Because they've been playing into Monokuma's hands the entire time. And that's why I kind of think, like, the only one who hasn't been playing into his hands the whole time is Kyoko. Right. Well, yeah, Yeah. the only time. So so he doesn't. He doesn't. So (laughs) (laughs) he he didn't really get mad at, like, the AI and and all the things. Like, he executed the AI. But, like, you know, it's, like, the only times he's gotten mad is when Kyoko is, is, like, stealing keys, which is why this whole freaking case occurs because she is the only one yeah right and even with that ai the only time he took action against the ai was when the ai hooked up to the internet and was going to get information beyond what he wanted them to find um, which i think is exactly the point you know yeah and then we got investigation land which is like there's so much to talk about um yeah i had one very brief note that it was just the fact that biakria speaks french Ooh. Literally, if a man couldn't get any more attractive, oh he la just la! Did. Oh <laughs> boy! Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Um, and also about Biakia, he with this whole like alibi situation with the four of them, he took charge and was very very careful that if something were going to happen that night, that the four of them would be safe, which would heighten their chances of picking out like who would break the rules. And like, that's another example of Marin saying he's changed his character a lot. He's leading the group and thinking about himself most of the time, but also the other people he's with. Exactly. I also thought he did a good job of actually during the investigation and also the trial, he really treated this investigation like how I would imagine investigations happen in real life. Because I feel like for the first three, it was like, oh, wow, we found Justice Hammer number 10. And like, how can we fit that in? Versus this time, it was like, let's establish a time of murder. Let's establish a murder weapon. Let's establish who had alibis. It was very cut and dry. And I think that he actually had a lot to do with that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I agree. And at this point, they've practiced it four times. You know, they, they have it down to a science. Now they're like, all right, this is our fifth time at this. Like, we know what to do. As sad as that is. Is it time, my friends, to discuss... Mukuro Ikusaba, holy cow, do I have a lot to say about her. Um, 
Well, okay, so we'll just, like, let's just go through the facts that we got, right? So we know she is the ultimate military soldier, which is such a cool talent. I actually, you know, in the fandom and, like, being part of the community, there are a lot of people who, like, she's their favorite character, and I've never understood why, because even the few things we get of her in, like, you know, things surrounding this first game, like, we don't ever really learn a ton about her, but this, I under, I kind of get it, you know? I, 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 like... She's the ultimate military soldier. She, she, so she has a cool talent. She was in a survival game tournament and a writer. So she's a multi-talented queen. Um, and the biggest thing that we learned is she was part of a mercenary group. Um, and it was called Fer- Fernrear? Fenrir. 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 Yeah. Um, so, you know, my queen, my, my bae, Toka Fakawa brings up in the trial that this is based on Norse mythology. And I, it's funny that she did that because I recognized that when I, when it came up. And so I looked into it, like when they were talking about it. So here, my friends, is my ultimate literary girl skills at work. Are we ready? Yay! I'm so All right. ready. So Van Rear is the wolf that is tattooed on her hand. Um, but the whole legend that surrounds Fenrir is um Ra- Ragnarok Ragnarok Lord help me Ragnarok yep <laughs> and that was a this very epic catastrophic battle in which no one was safe and and everyone that participated in it like died so the reason why this whole battle started is there were two wolves chasing after the sun and moon to create an end of days and they were Skull and Hadi Hadi um, and they're, they worked as a team to take out the biggest things and let everything else trickle down. So they really ignited one big event, which was the release of Fenrir, which is this terrible, terrible wolf that poisons everything it touches. And so I kind of interpreted Fenrir as like a literal representation of despair being released onto the world. Um, but yeah, that is kind of like my big thing for that. I have another literary thing to talk about later, but yeah. also can I just say, relating to what I just said about Toko, Toko like glows up in this trial. She's like participating and like providing helpful information. And I was like, babe, what is going on? Like, I think maybe she's finally getting what she wants. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Hero even says, he's like, wow, the first time the ultimate literary girl is like saying something, you know, like a value. She actually says something about a book. <laughs> and <laughs> really? <it's> like, incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I agree. She she seems more like, not necessarily more confident, maybe more confident, but definitely more like participating more and a little more outspoken. Like, she's not just, like, hiding behind a shell of anxiety. Like, she's actually making efforts. Um, I also have that The Wolf of Ragnarok. Um, Shout out to all our Marvel fans out there, if there are any Thor fans. Um, But The Wolf of Ragnarok is um, supposed, supposed, supposedly the child of the trickster god Loki and a female giant. Um, and uh, to the Marvel fans, you know, Loki, you know, he's a little sly. And I think that that also kind of works with what Caroline was saying with like the entirety of being sneaky and tricky. And this whole game is about tricking the watchers. And like, you know what I mean? Like, no, I hear you. And like this mercenary group that she's part of, it's 
you know, they, they are created to emit destruction. And the members of the group, after they disperse, like a lot of them were killed because of the information that they had. And it's like, we, I don't know if we learn more about this group at all through the rest of the game, but like, it, it's just such a very specific experience that this girl had. Anyway. I'd be really curious to know if any Danganronpa fans got the tattoo, um, like actually got it on them. That'd be really cool. So send us a pic yeah. or a tweet or anything like that. Um, we'd love to see it. We also learned that Kyoko wears gloves to cover up scars on her hands. Yes. yes. That is very important. Yeah. Um, very true. Which is very sad. Um, yeah. You have mm-hmm. to wonder why, you know, why she has the scars. I mean, not why she feels the need to cover them up. Um, yeah. yeah. Like what happened? Right. And literally, we like I knew I know how this game ends. I knew that Kyoko was gonna show up, and literally when she did, I audibly gasped. I was like, oh, "Kyoko's back!" And like <laughs> the fact that the game created that element of surprise for me the second time is crazy. It speaks to how good it is. Absolutely, and like I said, it's an unpopular opinion. I don't think a lot of people feel the same way. If you do, prove me wrong, listeners. Let us know. But Case Five, this is my favorite one in this game. It's just so. The twists and turns, mm, it's so good. Yeah, I think I agree with you there, Maddie. Um, there's just something about like a penultimate case, you know, that it's just so good. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, we wanted to let you guys know that we have actually launched a website. We are at ultrahopegirls.com. And there you can see our merchandise. You can learn more about us as your podcast hosts. And you can also contact us through there if you would like to. Um, Also, don't forget that you can absolutely leave us a voicemail if you want a chance to have a question that you have featured on our podcast and we could answer it. Uh, You can leave those voicemails at anchor.fm. Don't forget as well to check out our Twitter, check out our Facebook. Um, We are also on Tumblr now. We are Ultra Hope Girls podcast pretty much everywhere, so you can find us there. And we also have a Patreon. So if you are able or willing to support us financially, the lowest tier is just $2 a month. And then that will give you access to some cool perks that we also elaborate on on our website. So check that out. We would appreciate any support that you can give us. Stick around because we'll be right back after this break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Caroline here with a pretty exciting announcement. So I, separate from the other Ultra Hope girls, am offering some online virtual classes in things such as writing, because, you know, I'm the ultimate literary girl and performing, and also some clubs and classes virtually via my own school, which I founded, called The Spilling Ink School. You can check that out at thespillinginkschool.com. I'm offering tutoring and college essays. I'm offering, you know, piano classes and all that jazz. So definitely check it out. It's a good time. And I will also be offering some clubs and classes that are Danganronpa-related via OutSchool. So I'll keep the links all in the description 
They are for people under 18, so ask your parents before checking it out. But yeah, I'm excited to potentially have some listeners in my classes, and I wanted to let you know that that's going on. So thanks so much in advance for checking it out, and I look forward to teaching some of you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you tired of feeling trapped at home like a student at Hope's Peak Academy? Visit Tom's Itinerary so that you can plan your next trip for after it's safe to travel and quarantine has ended. Tom's Itineraries is our go-to travel planning team for domestic and international trips. They navigate the entire planning process for you, from flights, hotels, and rental cars to even restaurants, hikes, and activities. As the ultimate travel planner, Tom's Itineraries uses their industry-wide connections to find you deals and rates that the average person doesn't have access to. Tom's Itineraries can also help you navigate the college application process. They can build you a customized college tour route to all of your target schools and even coordinate the appointments and tours with the admission department. If you're looking to escape the despair of quarantine after restrictions are lifted, Why not use Tom's itineraries to plan a trip for later this year to have something to look forward to? For a limited time, if you mention Ultra Hope Girls podcast to Tom's itineraries, they'll take 25% off their rates. We can't wait to hear where you're planning to go post-COVID. And as always, thanks for listening. All right. Um, Trial time. Let's do it. Trial time. Um, I had yeah. a question I wanted to raise. That was like the question that was gnawing at me the whole time I was playing this was if, that if Mukuro Ikusaba was the 16th student in the school this whole time and has been there hiding, why mm-hmm. has she not participated in a trial? Because participation is mandatory for all students. And we also have reason to believe that that 16th seat that we were talking about earlier, that we weren't sure who that was for, probably was intended to be from Mukuro. Why has she not shown up? I think the way that I explained it to myself when I first played through the game was that she had hidden the first time and might have been punished for that. So she is hidden away in the school, but has been dead since trial one. That was kind of my take. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Definitely. Yeah, and we do have it confirmed from Monokuma during this trial or maybe right before, but he says there are 16 students or there were 16 students in the school. That's it. There's yeah. no one else in the school. Yeah. That would imply then that the headmaster is not active or not part of there. The, like, we know he's not the mastermind at this point. Like, <laughs> right. like I don't know. You can assume that based on the evidence. Um, it, it would it would imply, and I think that Kyoko brings this up towards the end of the chapter, it would imply that one of those 16 students is the mastermind. Yeah, because let's say that the the principal was the mastermind. Now we know he's not in the school, you know, like, and I think it'd be very hard to control this outside of the school, quite frankly. So yeah, I think we can pretty confidently say. 
And Kyoko also just, this kind of goes into this, like she, right before the trial, she says, you know, Hey, like if I die, the secret of this school dies with me, you know, like pretty much off the bat. I also yeah. had the question, this is kind of a question to pose to the group, whoever the group would have voted for, would they have just died? And he would have said, yes, they're guilty. Goodbye. Yeah. Cause like this whole trial is rigged. It is. And it's to frame Kyoko, but he kills Makoto. Yeah. You know, I actually don't think that that would have happened um, because the reason why the mastermind targeted Kyoko and then Makoto was because they were a threat to the mastermind. And I think the other people in the trial were not threats. Um, if they had voted for Hina, then he might have let Makoto go free and Makoto would be left to be like, what? Like, I don't know what's happening. But I think he would have killed everyone regardless unless that they had picked Kyoko and then he would have been like good job you know or I guess you know we see Makoto and then he's like great yep yeah (laughs) because he just goes with it and I will say also they've talked about how Monokuma is such a stickler for the rules because there's an audience now they've realized like that's the reason he's had to you know stick through the rules because otherwise he will get I don't know sued get attacked whatever but he breaks a major rule in this trial. He executes someone who is not the blackened. Oh, yeah. Huge yeah. rule break. Yeah, I mean, it was a threat to the show, so maybe the audience would have justified it because, you know, but it is more interesting to watch somebody figure out, like, what's going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, plus, Monokuma is trying to prove that he can cause these people despair under these conditions. And if he can't, then he's losing, you know, this is almost like a game show between Monokuma and the kids. Um, and there's mm-hmm. one winner. It's going to be one of the two. Um, yeah. I think that, yeah. Monokuma's inability to win by his own rules, I think is a big sign of his failure. Yeah. Cause he's like Kyoko, I think is the one who says it. Like she says the mastermind is now backed into a corner. Like we're gaining the upper hand, you know, like Monokuma feels cornered. Excited. Like a bear in the wild. Attacks. <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's not waving her hand slowly. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like it's like the you know it, it, when you're at a concert and someone saves a seat and they're like over here. <laughs> like, that is exactly it. <laughs> also, this probably won't make the cut, but I just had to write it down. I couldn't not. Toko says her master must have made her get it in reference to the tattoo and then says to be like, you're my bleep. <laughs> good Lord. So good. <laughs> I also was so shocked at how quickly they disregard. Like they, they're, they're like, okay, so she was stabbed. She got hit in the head. Yeah, there were some old wounds on there, but like those are irrelevant. They are so quick to be like those are irrelevant. Mm. I that bothered me. That was like a, a an inconsistency with this trial. I felt like they were like, I was like, okay, I guess we're not talking about that game. Like, I think the whole thing fair, feels rushed. Yeah, but I think the old wounds thing is fair because he says like the wounds are at least several days old, and like they're looking at who murdered this person now, you know, and maybe yeah. maybe it's a mistake. We don't know, but like. I think it's very fair. Like, who is thinking that, you know, Hero has had this girl in his room and he's been slowly torturing her? Like, that's just very weird to be the first <laughs> thought that they'd, like, go into. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, my next thing has to do with the titanium arrows, but I feel like this could come first, possibly. Um, 
it is my, this is like my second and probably the last big point I had to talk about. Um, but I, so, you know, Toko references, you know, Aesop's fables. So I, uh, you know, I went ahead and uh, read the fable and I like looked it up. And um, so the fable that she's referencing is, I believe it's called like the, I don't remember the father and the brothers, something like that. And um, it's basically about a brothers who quarrel and the father gives them sticks. And he's like, hey, if you hold all of the sticks together, can you break them? And they couldn't. And the reason why he did this is to show them that as a unit, they're stronger um, to keep them from fighting. And so I wanted to read the last paragraph of this story along with the lesson that it teaches. Um, And so it's a quote from the father and he says, my sons, said the father, do you not see how certain it is that if you agree with each other and help each other, it will be impossible for your enemies to injure you. But if you are divided among yourselves, you will be no stronger than a single stick in that bundle. And the lesson that we learn that like the fable is in unity is strength. And that good Lord, if that doesn't just hone it on this entire situation and we're kind of already seeing the group find unity so i think that this fable it's like coming true like it's what's happening with the group um but there are still some like you know biakia being suspicious of of kyoko you know there are still some issues with this and this is like the final like hey this is important and so toko says that just so we you know why i said this toko brings that up in reference to the titanium arrows, which were duct taped together to hit this person on the head, basically. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Damn. That was my note on the Duralumin arrows. I oh. love that you looked it up. Yes. <laughs> but that's why that's kind of symbolic. It's like, if you look at the image of the, the arrows taped together, they are all the arrows working together that have made progress in like hurting the people who are against them. Yeah, and the more divided they are, the more they're playing into the mastermind's hands. Like, we saw that earlier on with, like, especially with, like, Celeste and, like, when we were talking about the zero-sum game and the prisoner's dilemma, like, literally, cooperation is the only way that you can actually overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of notes about the actual trial because, I mean, the whole time I was like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to be going with this. And I think Makoto himself he's such an incredible person because he the entire trial is like hey I didn't do this but it's either me or Kyoko and I'm not only gonna defend myself but if Byakuya says something about Kyoko that's not true I'll defend her like he is the most selfless person in I want to say literature but you know (laughs) video games I mean I name someone who's more selfless, who's up on a murder trial and defends the only other person that it could be. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like brave of him because, I mean, if you are in that situation and there are six people and four of them have solid alibis and you know you didn't kill someone and that last person does not have an alibi, wouldn't you naturally assume it could only be that person? Right. But Makoto trusts Yoko. I mean, I'm pretty confident I wouldn't be defending them. Like, oh, wow. I mean, this can lead right into the split ending here. Um, Let's talk about bad first, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And also, can I just say, before we even get to the endings themselves, like, 
you know, this is like the first time, again, like I said this earlier, the first time in this game where it's like, go with your gut. You know factually that she like did this thing, but like, do you trust Kyoko? And that's like a really big question. And it kind of goes against like what this game has shown us so far, which is kind of a scary thing. But anyway, it's taking a risk. Am I right, guys? (laughs) And it goes against Kyoko's values too, a little bit, because she's like logic, facts, like just see what's in front of you. Like, you know, get to the truth. But then in this case, it's like, I, what I see and what I am logicking, logically thinking through does not match how I feel and what I believe to be true. I was actually curious. There's no way for me to know this, but I wondered if most people who have an F in their Myers-Briggs picked to trust her and most people with a T chose to not. I really wondered what did what did we three do? Why well, watch anime? Yeah, I trusted her. Dang it! <laughs> because I'm a T, and I chose to pursue the lie. And I will defend myself and say it is not because I didn't trust her. For me, it was like knowing the person who Kyoko is, and like this is what Kyoko would do. Like Kyoko would pursue the lie, right? I felt like that's what she wanted me to do, and like if she was trusting me to like find the truth you know what I mean and that's kind of how I took it and I quickly realized that was wrong (laughs) that was not the right choice see I picked to trust her and it was like the case just kept going and I was like did I pick right like I was like just sitting there the case is still going Makoto's up for execution I was like huh I hope this is right (laughs) you know maybe it'll (laughs) stop me (laughs) yeah I will say there's an interesting difference in the wording um, between the correct and the incorrect um, execution, um, the syntax, if you will, um, for the incorrect execution. And I think um, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but all of the executions before this, um, it says Kyoko has been found guilty, time for the punishment. But when Makoto is found guilty, it says Nayegi was voted guilty, time for his punishment. So it Mm. says he was voted guilty, not found guilty. And Ah. that was really interesting. I was like, hmm, we didn't do it. Different (laughs) word choice, different situation. Yeah, it's true. Because like we've established, Monokuma doesn't really lie. Right. Does he? Makoto was not found guilty. He was simply voted guilty. All right. So should Should we we unpack... the picture this alternate end. yeah the picture that we got the yeah there's a the lot to just a picture is worth a thousand words yep this is I, worth ten thousand words a million <laughs> i dare say <laughs> yeah i'd like to start with hina in the picture if you guys don't mind hina is the mother of three children now and she is the mother of all three of the guys' children. So she's gone with all of them. Um, and I just want to say, um, in terms of genetics, these children are not going to do very well. Um, you know, incest is wrong for a lot of reasons. So I just had a moment of respect for, for Hina and her <laughs> children. Um, the other thing I noticed was the ages of the children. Hina got with Biakia first then Makoto, and then Hiro. So I decided that Hina has taste. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yes. Also, so, so you know, we've talked about this before. The reason why Toko is absent in this photograph is that she exploded. 
that's it that's just that's like all. spontaneously just, like exploded just died um the best that, possible that reason. is from that is the words of the creators of this game themselves they said quote toko exploded so here's why i think she exploded hina got with biakia first baby and she said i can't handle my master with anyone else i would rather just combust and that's what she did oh my god i support this reasoning yeah for real um, yeah and oh my god i cannot believe i literally and he he's holding the picture of her and he's like smiling like he's smiling (laughs) (laughs) but isn't it kind of like a soft smile like uh, like, i miss the love of my life that it's been proven that we had a really solid relationship with one another or he's relieved (laughs) that she's gone (laughs) (laughs) but jason wished off thinks that they are together and that is all the proof i need (laughs) yes (laughs) maddie says no (laughs) yeah any more thoughts about the picture uh do i do i i mean in both in both executions um they're both getting a lesson in reproduction mm-hmm. yep yep i, I noticed that. that too so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i wanted to bring up if it is an okay time to do so kyoko again because um we kind of mentioned before that kyoko puts makoto in danger and before we were like well maybe she kind of doesn't because he's not really breaking any rules but now she literally sends him to his execution and this part of the game i struggled with because i was like wow well did kyoko really choose to sacrifice makoto in order to keep herself alive so she could uncover the truth of the school but after makoto's failed execution where alter ego pops up on the screen stops those gears from turning so Makoto doesn't get crushed and he falls into the garbage pit and like survives his execution. Everyone is standing around like, you know, Byakuya, Hina, Hiro, Toko, whatever. And they're all in shock. And and Monokuma is standing there like, what on earth? Like he's furious. And Kyoko is the only one who is not surprised. She's standing there like looking with this very smug smile. And I have a quote from her that says, it seems you finally made a miscalculation. You shouldn't have underestimated us. And then that made me wonder, okay, well, did Kyoko come up with a plan with Alter Ego beforehand to say like, like, so that Alter Ego could interfere with a future execution of Monokuma's? Like, I wonder if that was Kyoko's plan all along and she wasn't sending him to his death. She really was like, just hoping that Makoto would forgive her for like, because it's still really traumatic. I mean, to be sent to that, kind of situation and think you're about to die and um but i wonder if kyoko was like i gotta do this to makoto like he's gonna live he'll make it through whatever we can make up afterwards but i cannot get executed i wonder um she does say right before he like he gets voted guilty and she says i know that you'll never forgive me for this um so I don't think she expected forgiveness, but I don't think that that proves that she didn't have a plan, if that makes sense. Um, like, I don't think she expected him to be okay with it. Um, but you might be right. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not sure. That's really interesting. Yeah. It just struck me that she really did not seem surprised when the execution failed and when Alter Ego popped up. She, like, smiled and she was like, yep. So it seemed like she was expecting it. I don't know. I agree that it's not proof, but it made me think of that. And I just... Oh, Kyoko. <laughs> yeah. What a star. 
in the actual execution, I actually wanted to kind of talk about that. And Caroline, you referenced it. And so I think you have the same note maybe that I do, um, but on the white, or not the whiteboard, the chalkboard behind um, Monokuma, when he's like, when Makoto is moving slowly backwards towards his death, it says on the board, um, beginning of life, fertilization, implantation. And then right before he's about to die, it says, April 1st, Wednesday, day duty, Niagi. And then it says, end of life, crushed, poisoned, drowned, burn, frozen, indignation. And it kind of, to me, felt like they were trying to have his life flash before his eyes. Like, I wondered if we saw all of the boards, if it would have been a little bit more of like a progression through his life. Um, But that last indignation is the only one that wasn't a type of death. And that was when alter ego came in. And so it was like Monokuma was actively writing on the board. (laughs) I really liked that. Also, April 1st is April Fool's Day. And I wondered if he was calling Makoto a fool. (laughs) We have a certain host who likes to do the same. Yes. uh, Makoto is an insolent fool. Um, There she is. I'll just have it be said. (laughs) (laughs) let's see so makoto gets executed and right after he gets executed i don't remember who said it i think it's hero it's either hero or byakuya but he says um i knew it wasn't naegi and i was like then why didn't you say something (laughs) what (laughs) that was very frustrating um yeah and like so after like like makoto falls down this chute I, it was funny because when I was playing this through, I was like a little like tired um, and I kind of was zoning out a little bit, you know, just trying to get through. And then it like flashes back to the beginning of the game. And then I literally, my brain was like, uh oh, did it glitch? Oh God, am I going to have to go all the way back to, oh, good God, of course this is happening to me right now. I was like so like <laughs> annoyed. And then I was like, maybe it's just part of the game. We're just going to click through it. So I don't know. Like it, it made me kind of feel like, it was having a meta moment where maybe we were living in Groundhog Day. Like maybe mm. if he died, then everything starts over again, you know, kind Ooh. of thing. Like that's not a win. You have to try again. Interesting. Yeah. yeah that's actually a really good point. I like that. Um, the next thing I have is when Makoto calls Kyoko bulky waste in the anime and a piece of trash in the game. Um, Cause I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like when she has the ramen noodles on her head. <laughs> I know, it's so cute. Best Kyoko Sprite. <laughs> we also find out that the whole trial then, I mean, we've really been talking about it, but we find out that it was a frame on uh, on Kirigiri and an attempt on Makoto's life that he actually could have died there, um, which is interesting because um, that's the first time in a game we've... No, actually, no, it's not. Saika tried to kill us. Forgot yeah. about that. Um, but actually, the moment in the trash shoot where Kyoko and Makoto are talking and she's like, look, I'm really sorry. Like, I know you aren't going to forgive me. And he's like, no, I do. Like, it's fine. (laughs) Which is such a like blase. Like, (laughs) uh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) But um, it reminded me a lot of his conversation with Sayaka where he said, I'll do anything for you. And she took it to me and I can kill you because oh. same thing happened except Kyoko kind of went through with it. Makoto um, just constantly being taken advantage of by w- the women, but he's kind of an idiot so I don't blame him at all. 
Um, the next thing I have is that Kyoko's dad is the principal. Yeah. Cray cray. And Wild. Kyoko's ultimate. We finally learned she is <gasps> the ultimate detective. Yay! My queen. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> icon. Yeah. Um, I wrote on here. She said that she was protecting Makoto um, when you know, he was getting attacked or whatever by the masked figure. Um, and she said, I can hear the God of death, which did some research. And yep, Maddie might have That's the same the quote thing. I wrote down. Yeah. Yes! It was like, it gave me chills. She was like, I can hear the footsteps of the God of death. I'm like, Oh my God, Kyoko. Yes. <laughs> so I did some research on gods of death and I decided to keep with the Egyptian theme because that's been on the walls and previous trials you know yeah. and stuff like that um, and the Egyptian god of death is Anubis they have a, a couple different gods of death um, but this is kind of one of the primary ones um, and some say that he bears resemblance to a wolf an Egyptian wolf and I just thought it was a little full circle that Kyoko could hear a wolf coming to kill Makoto because Good of the Lord. whole thing with Fenrir. Yes. Wow. And you find out ultimate despair is two people, two wolves. Like I was talking about earlier, Oof. baby. So we got yeah. Anubis and Fenrir. Yeah. Did you just say tag yourself? Yes. I, feel like, I feel like I'm a Fenrir because it's more Norse mythology and I'm like You are totally a Fenrir. I can totally I know. see it. <laughs> Scream. Oh my god. That's all but I we got also I think also this is the first time that um Kyoko officially comes out and says that she thinks the mastermind stole her memories from her. Yes true too because she's the ultimate detective she can solve the murders like the mastermind probably would not have wanted her to be able to figure out everything that was going on you know but i will say though she still maintains a really strong level of detective ability throughout i mean she does full autopsies i mean like she's not really bothered by her lack of memory she's like i seem to remember doing this at some point and it's like (laughs) oh okay yeah go for it she forgets like the label of what she is officially but she still maintains all of her skills and so it kind of didn't work the taking her memories away you could say that it didn't matter if she had a label or not because the essence of who she was shone through no matter what yeah absolutely my girl I, that's, so, I mean, that's, that's all I got, baby. That's, all, that's yeah. all the notes I've got. My last quote was the, the God of Death quote. Me too! Steps of the God of Death, which well, I thought was... Oh, sorry. I thought no, it was just good. insanely poetic, and it's not usually like Kyoko to talk like that, you know? Right. That was a lot to unpack, folks. Yep. All right, so today for Bed, Wed, Behead, we will be going through the characters Sakura, Mondo, and Chihiro, um, which have no significance to one another. We use the random name generator again. We're getting to the point where there are few combinations left, it feels like. So, so we uh, just wanted to, to see what it came up with. So this one's going to be kind of hard, I feel like. I don't know. I'm not really sure what I want to do yet. I know my answer if you want me to go first. Do it. Um, yeah, Maddie. I would behead Mondo. I also beheaded Mondo in chapter five, part one last <laughs> week. So that's fun. <laughs> Sorry, Mondo. <laughs> but you're up against Chihiro and Sakura right now. So no competition. I would 
bed and wed sakura and chihiro all this is the, the opposite time. of last time <laughs> last time maddie was like i would like to do nothing to any of them <laughs> like, yeah okay okay no, no, no. Here, here's what i would say i would bed chihiro and wed sakura personally um i think oh no actually i'm i'm questioning that decision i don't know this is really tough this is so tough god um, maddie has decision fatigue at this moment <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot um you know what i might actually bed sakura and wed chihiro because I love them both very dearly. But I think in terms of a long-term marriage, I actually might have more common interests with Chihiro as far as like sciencey and nerdy stuff goes. Marin looks really angry at me right now, but like I didn't I'm just thinking back to a certain second episode. I know found- this is really hard because like Sakura and I would also like be workout buddies. And like this is just so this is not an easy decision. I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you need someone who's gonna take care of you, and Sakura will. Yeah, that's all. It's fine. Just it's I'm, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna wed and bed both of them. That's my okay. answer. Agreed with cool for you. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, <laughs> I think for me, I would wed Sakura. Um, yeah, she's pretty cool. I think that would be really stable. You know, I I could really. I was going to say deal with that for life, but that doesn't sound very positive. So <laughs> I, I could live happily with Sakura for life. Um, <laughs> I would bed Mondo. Um, yep. And I would behead Chihiro because I could not picture bedding Chihiro. I think I did that at one point. It's just disturbing to me. I don't know. He's uh, he's just so small. And like, it just <laughs> he looks like he's like 12. All right. So, for me, I think I would behead Mondo, because, you know, not a fan. I don't know what this is right now. I really like it. Keep going. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I think that I would bed Chihiro, um, because I think that Sakura and I would be a better long-term relationship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I, I self-doubt a lot, you know, and I, you know? And I think Sakura would ground me. <laughs> okay. I would would like to actually finalize my answer and say, I think I would wed Sakura and bed Chihiro. Because I think Sakura, yeah! I think you guys are right. I think Chihiro is a lot like me in his anxieties and that being with someone who is not as anxiety ridden as myself might be better for me. Did we all wed Sakura? Yeah. I think we did. Nice. What a queen. Yeah, queen. she's pretty cool. She is. All right, everybody. That is it for chapter five. And y'all, get ready for chapter six, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. There is, as you can imagine, much to discuss. Um, we have a Patreon if you want to support us. The lowest tier is only two bucks a month. And you get a lot of bonus episodes. Like Marin does like nurse files. Caroline, me, just talks about caroline things then maddie is like a psychologist queen over here so if you want more character analysis stuff maddie is your gal um we also are on facebook twitter and tumblr all under ultra hope girls podcast so check us out on there and we now have a website ultrahopegirls.com where you can contact us and learn a little bit more about what's coming up about who we've interviewed and yeah hope you all have a good day and we will see you next week bye bye (laughs)